0: and as we seek to point Christ to those who are lost and struggling.
1: I would like to begin today's show with a scripture from Genesis chapter 18 verse 19 in which God says of Abraham, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. I offer this scripture because with this show we're beginning a new series in honor of Father's Day. Over the next month we'll discuss fatherhood. And the thinking behind this series is that the solution to almost every problem we have in this struggling world begins with strong, loving fathers directing their children and their households in the way of the Lord. To digress, if you're a regular listener, you may remember two shows we did last year on the subject of men and family. The first, which aired on June 26, 2021, was part of our series, Friends with the World, Enemies of God and it was called Men Under Fire. The second, which aired on November 13th, 2021, was part of our Lines of Operations series, and it was about family. If you are a new listener or if you missed those shows, they're available by podcast at kkht.com, at courageouschristianity.today, or on your favorite podcast app. And I genuinely hope you'll go back and listen to them. They were great shows with great guests, and together they provide the foundation for this series. Joining us today to talk about fatherhood is our ministry pastor, Steve Dennis. And friends, I'm being very honest when I say how much I admire Pastor Steve, not just as a Christian warrior, as a pastor, and as a man's man, but he holds a special place in my admiration as a father. And together with his wife, Gretchen, he strives every day for his family. I'm not saying that he's perfect, because we know that none of us is perfect, but if ever there was a man who held himself to a high standard as a father, it's Pastor Steve Dennis, and he's a very welcome guest on this show, in this series. Pastor Steve, welcome.
2: Good morning. Thanks again for having me, and um, I, I, I'm humbled by that introduction. If there's a little bit of a glimpse of that in me, then awesome. Praise the Lord.
1: <laughs> God bless you. As always, friends, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome, Steve.
1: Christy's all wrapped up in a sweater, and it's because the studio's always cold, and this morning, being the kind and very uh, considerate person that I am, I texted Pastor Steve and said, hey, the studio's always cold. Don't forget, uh, I- I'm going to be wearing a sweater, and I went by his house to pick him up today, and friends... He was wearing a snow parka, uh, wool hat, big, long. I
3: saw it. It's true. Yeah.
1: And it's a little bit cold. He's dressed for the beach now, and I hope you freeze.
2: It it was all in love. You know, it it was a jest of, how's this? Does, does, Does this work? That's yeah. not very you nice. Looked like boys. the kid from a Christmas story. Remember <laughs> that was that I was kind of my, my that <laughs> was kind of my thought. I'm like, yes, mom, I'll, I'll wear a sweater. Hilarious. I had this picture of the you know the Biff light sweater tied <laughs> around your deal. I'm like, I thought I was going on air with a colonel from the Marine Corps, not Biff. So <laughs>
1: okay, your words are hurtful. I'm right here. I can hear you. <laughs> Would you please pray for us before you say something mean? Yes, let's get
2: on to something valuable here. Father God, we praise your holy name. We're just in awe of how amazing you are to us, and how how you provide in each and every way. So we ask that you take this time and do with it only what you can do with it. Let let every heart be open to to what you're saying, not to what we're saying. But let, let it be anointed of you. Let it be your Holy Spirit that goes forth and lands wherever whoever is listening needs to hear it. Let it let it be that 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 confirmation, that thing that they're looking for today from you that says you are with them, that you hear them, that you see them, and that you're speaking to them. So, Lord, I ask that you anoint this entire session, that all we do glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Friends, uh, this show about fatherhood, I've been thinking about it for a while, and uh, it makes me think about families. And as we know, family is not easy. Modern families often present a strange clash of values, spiritual values, generational values, political values, economic values, and cultural values. And from these clashes come secondary clashes about everything from child raising to the education system to to more important uh, core issues like what is virtuous and what is ethical and what is moral. In previous generations, when fathers put God at the center of the home, these clashes were more superficial. The Bible was a common rule book, The difference between men and women created by God was not in question. The family structure ordained by God was not in question. What was right and what was wrong, though not necessarily obeyed, was not so much in question. Today, when God is not at the center of the home, for whatever reasons, these clashes reach to the core of personal identity, the family structure, and right and wrong, and they manifest themselves in shattering ways, lost in the breakdown of family are the bonding, uniting, strengthening, and ordering way of the Lord. Lost is the family as the building block of cohesive, resilient society, and if there's one thing we see in today's society, it's a lack of resilience. Lost is the family as the foundational element of God's kingdom, and lost are families as bricks in the walls which protect us from evil and the sin that follows. Sadly, in the clash of values resulting from our turning away from God, not only is family not a granite block in the building of a godly society, but it has actually become the home of strife and hurt and the wounding of souls made specially by God. So this is a very important show, and it's a very important series we're starting, and it's not with anything but the desire For reformation, which begins in family and with fathers. I could spend the next hour giving you statistics on the symptoms of this family breakdown, but I won't. We see it every day all around us. Instead, we're going to talk about the solutions to this very real pandemic. I'll tell you up front though it's the truth, what we're going to talk about on the show, it's opposed by those who refuse to accept the failure of their self serving policies and their attempted restructuring of God's order. Though the evidence is all around them, still they persist in their perversity because they are dupes. And though the evidence is all around us as Christians, and though we may accept that what I will propose is the answer, not many of us are willing to change either. It's not with judgment I say that. It's an observation. What is the solution? It's found in the Bible verse I have already shared, and though this verse refers to Abraham, it's true of all fathers. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. It's about fatherhood, friends. Families led by and submitted men in service to their families and their God. Pastor Steve. We talked a little bit about fatherhood on the way in here. Is that too harsh?
2: No, I don't, I don't think it's too harsh at all in the fact of, uh, well, I guess it depends on who you're speaking to. Uh, I'm sure there's several that would find that as too harsh. You know, as as you, were, as you were leading us into that, something that popped out at you, or popped out at me, as you said, was it's always been wrong. See that, that's the thing. A lot of people want to want to say, that, "Oh, we're we're dealing with new circumstances. We're dealing with things that oh they didn't have to deal with in the Bible or this or that." You can take any sin that we have today, and it goes all the way back. Um, and you go back to it. It wasn't that long ago, which is w- what I believe you were speaking to. Yeah, whatever we're dealing with today, it was going on then, but it was clearly wrong. It was you know it was viewed as wrong, and if you chose to go ahead and do it, you went ahead and did it. But it wasn't accepted in the culture as right. And, and, you know, now we stand on the truth of God's word and we stand up and say, this is this or this is that. And we are now we're the, we're the minority. Whereas, whereas before, if you chose to go down that lifestyle, so be it. But as a whole, we're going to say that that's wrong. Now, not only do we not say it's wrong, we celebrate it, we we encourage it, and if anyone speaks against it, then we're going to attack them. Right. Um, we're now the persecuted.
1: Yeah, that's why the only word I can really use for it is perversity. Because before, I would tell you you were wrong, and you would say, yeah, I was wrong, and I did it for these reasons. Matter of fact, C.S. Lewis, in the book Mere Christianity, talks uh, in chapter 1 or chapter 2, he says that before— If you were on a train, and you were sitting down, and then you got up for a second, and uh, while you were gone, somebody else took your seat, they wouldn't argue that it was wrong for them to take your seat, because everybody knew what right and wrong was. They would argue that there were some circumstances in this instance which allowed it. It's a great book, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Now, people actually argue what's right and wrong and that's great because if you do that it absolves you of accountability the problem is the the harvest that we are reaping the harvest that our children are reaping in this gray quagmire of morality as homes families and society doesn't have the black and white right and wrong we're not on the same rule book
2: well that that's it that's where i was just about to say now it's just you and me going toe-to-toe. I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. There, In the past, where we would then settle that dispute was, well, what does God's Word say? What does the Bible say? Right. Whether you were a, 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 a very devout follower of it or not, it still was the backboard you bounced things off of. Now we've, we say that that doesn't matter. That's not true. We've watered it down. How, however, we've gotten to where we've gotten so many different ways— but now there's no, there's no backboard. So we're going to sit here and go toe-to-toe till one of us passes out. And, and yeah. it's-,
1: it's not just that we got one wheel off the road and we might end up in the ditch. We blew past the ditch and we're in the woods. And friends, this is a big deal because nobody shows up and wants to do badly. I always say that about Marines. No Marine shows up in the morning and wants to make a mess of things, but it happens. And so we're talking about the opportunity that we have for Reformation in fatherhood. Stay with us, friends.
0: Hello,
3: everyone. This is Christy Mendelow. As you may know, I'm host Richard Mendelow's wingman. You might wonder what a wingman is. Here on Courageous Christianity, it means I'm here to support the host of this show and our efforts to accomplish our mission. That mission is to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield, and we need your help to do that. Your tax-deductible support is what keeps us on the air and sustains our ongoing efforts. Courageous Christianity is a public, nonprofit ministry. If you'd like to support our mission and this ministry, you can do so by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of Richard's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity. You will absolutely love this devotional, and it will help you to be more equipped in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit, you can also donate by going to CourageousChristianity.today. So text to donate to 281-800-4940 or go to CourageousChristianity.today. Friends, thank you. We are so very grateful for your listenership and for your support.
0: Days in-
1: Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are beginning our series on fatherhood in celebration of Father's Day this month. We'll be continuing throughout June, and with us is Pastor Steve Dennis, the Courageous Christianity pastor, and he makes sure that what we're doing here is uh, of value and is scriptural and is in support of God's church and God's kingdom. And so we're talking about fatherhood, and in the intro I made some sharp points. And uh, it's because we want to shape the conversation, and we want to say, okay, what are we talking about here? So I'm going to ask some sharp questions just to clarify that. Why do we let the Apple Corporation babysit our children? Why do we let Disney, which is as unreal as its characters, tell us how to raise our children? How do we let our children tell us how to raise them? What has happened that we have stepped away from our responsibility to parent in our homes, set the tone, do what God has said, lead and direct? How did we give that up? And it had to happen. And so basically, if we're not parenting our children, who is? Corporations, uh, politicians, uh, the kindergarten teacher. Who's parenting our children? So we've allowed this to happen, and now we're discussing what the fix is. And so, Pastor Steve, what does the word fatherhood mean to you?
2: Wow, that's such a deep answer, or or broad answer, I guess I I should say. Personally, to me, I have three kids, eight, six, and three at the moment, um, and I've been entrusted to guide and direct them. Uh, the word direct in in the scripture you read earlier guide and direct them into what they are molded and shaped to be um, so fatherhood to me is this uh, you know I like to use the word investor uh, this mentor this model of i i 'm supposed to i 'm supposed to show them i 'm supposed to show my sons what it is to be a man i 'm supposed to show my daughter the man that she should look for. Um, so as, as, as you say, what does fatherhood mean to you? If I, if I'd said one word, it'd probably be example. Uh, I, God has entrusted these amazing miracles to me for what reason <laughs> only he knows, but he has said, I want you to take these amazing life forms and, and mold and shape them. I need you to do that for me. That's what he says to me. I need you to take and, and, and be my hands and feet. I need you to point them and give give them a, a clear example of, of what it is to follow me, um, what it is to stand up for me, um, and so many things. I could just go on and on and on, but if I had to be that one word, it, it would be example.
1: So if our first step in every conversation and in every interaction is to try and emulate Jesus Jesus the leader Jesus the warrior Jesus uh the brother God the father what has god told us about fatherhood by what he has said and what he has modeled
2: first of all he he modeled it in so many ways we could we could spend several shows just just doing a and if you want to get into the 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 theological studies of of god the father um, Jesus, the son, and, and there, I mean, we could go all day, but I think some of the the main examples for God to so love the world that he gave, all right? So he sent his son, he, he provided, he sacrificed, uh, his word talks about discipline, his word talks about intentionality, and John, Jesus is saying, if you want to know the, you should know the father because you've been with me. Nothing that I do, I'm paraphrasing here, of course. Um, nothing that I do, I, I i do on my own. What I say, I got from him. What I do, I saw him do. So there's that modeling again. There's that example. He didn't bring anything to the disciples that the Father didn't bring to him first. And so following him, following his example, there's that. there's that clear, I'm going to be about my Father's business. And so therefore... In order to be about my father's business, I need to know what my father's business is. And Jesus points to that fact that he has obviously been spending time with the father to hear what he said. Um, so, I mean, we, like I said, we can the just go on. The father's
1: invested in him. Yeah,
2: we can just go on and on in that.
3: I've heard it said that
2: Jesus is the visible that teaches us the invisible God. Amen. And that's exactly what he was saying there in John. Like, you guys keep asking me questions about what the Father's like. I'm right I'm right, I'm here. right here. I'm right yeah. here. <laughs> and, and you haven't, been, you haven't <laughs> been paying attention to what I've been doing. You've had this agenda and this idea of well, who I was supposed to be, and it didn't quite line up with what, now that I'm here, it didn't quite line up with what you thought. So you're still you're still wondering. But he's like, hey, no. No me. I am the example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it
1: would be very interesting. Remember, a long time ago we did a show on what are God's values. Right. Well, now we're saying what are God's attributes as a father, and then I would like to model those attributes. So, excuse me, uh, I've told you this before, Uh, friends, I've said this on the radio There's a verse in the Bible that can bring me to tears almost every time, Uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, I think it's uh, maybe verse 11, where God is talking about what he thought was going to happen. He said, I thought I would give you this wonderful land, best of any land. I thought you would be my children, and I thought you would call me Father. And there's just so much in that where you've got the creator of the universe plaintively speaking to his creation and saying, I thought this is how it was going to be. And then later on in Jeremiah, we all know 2911, when he says, for I know the plans I have for you. So it's kind of like this excited father who is like, "I, I was so wanting to have a child, and now I have this child, and I thought I would love you, and you would call me father, and then I would plan these wonderful things for you. And to me, we think of God as distant, and we think of him as... Uh, sometimes maybe even heartless, like he's an autocrat. But in point of fact, he's this very sensitive father who says, what father, if his child asked for bread, would give him a stone? And so as we think about the attributes of God, what comes to you, God the Father?
2: That's loving, sacrificial, uh, uh, giving, provisional, and and when I say provisional, as we were talking earlier, that that isn't just money, um, the the provision of peace, joy, uh, true love, um, guidance, comfort, guidance, chastising, everything. And, and just as you were saying, I I thought it would be this way. That that verse I was reading, later in John 17, um, Jesus comes in, and he says, I. I want them I want them to be one with me you and I are one I want them to be one with me because if if they're in me and I am in you then they're in you and you and them and you know he, the desire all along was for this communal oneness between the creator and the created and we have
1: so we're have- running around distracted uh we turn away from a true knowledge of God Christy and I met a lady the other day who talked about uh, how important her faith was to her and so forth. And then she says she doesn't like to read the Bible. And we kind of looked at each other and said, well, then how do you know about God to have faith in him? And it's just bizarre to me because I've said before, if you met this really awesome girl, some awesome guy for the ladies out there, wouldn't you want to know more about him? And the first thing you do, uh, if I understand the modern generation correctly, is you'd go home and Google him or her and look at them on Facebook. I mean, that's (laughs) what Christy did with me. (laughs) Oh really? (laughs) Facebook stalking.
2: Yes. Right.
1: (laughs) And you don't want to read the Bible? Well, how are you gonna know about God? What is your faith gonna be based on? And Well then
2: then it's left up to what I make it to be. Right. Which is and I can invent my own
1: thing, and that way I'm not accountable to anything. And the problem with that is it's easier, but there's no content. You are unchanged. You remain who you were. And the whole joy is to be more like him as people and then ultimately as fathers.
3: There's content,
2: but not truthful content.
1: Oh, good point.
2: And without the truth, there's no transformation.
1: And without the truth, there is no real unity. And,
2: and this is the thing that that most 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 people don't want to hear is I don't care how much uh, how many bits and pieces you weave into your faith and your version that you have made. If it's not His version, it is it's it's wrong right oh, I, there's no other way I can put it. it's wrong, yeah, yeah it has and to it- be that way. If
1: we were playing Monopoly, I've said this a zillion times. you land on my property I owe you you owe me double, it's got a hotel, no, I don't, yes, you do, no, I don't. Well, what do the instructions say? What do the rules say, and so we currently live in a society that's spent so much time making up its own rules where at the seat of the family table we have allowed Apple to sit down or Google to sit down, and instead of training our children in the way of the Lord such that our children are able to get along with your children and your children, our children don't know which way is up, and they can't coexist, and we've made a very difficult world for them, and uh, that is evident in their struggles their over-medicated struggles, their overeating struggles, uh, the bullying in school, all of this stuff. And so what we're saying here is the key to Reformation is turning back to God individually as fathers, asking Him, what does a father look like? Lord, how do you want me to be a father? And then walking that out one day at a time. And so if it's a value, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in the next segment, if it's a value— Well, then you have to value it to do one of those things that Christy likes to do where she (laughs) she says the word twice. Like, if you want peace, be peaceful. I'm like,
2: I know I really want peace, but what are you saying?
1: (laughs) Well, friends, if it's a value to be a Christian, if it's a value to be a family man, well, then be a family man. And if you want guidance, turn to God. Otherwise, you're just inventing the rules as you go along, and that is not working. So we're going to talk about this more in the third segment. Please stay with us.
0: In a flash, I look back to see the momentary cause of a the whiplash. Commotion.
3: They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine. And now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mindelo, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life.
1: Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelo has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word.
0: Can we find a friend so
3: faithful?
1: Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're talking about fatherhood as the key to Reformation. Uh, Everything hinges on fathers being engaged in their homes, and... I was telling a story before the show about the way a Marine officer reports in the morning to his unit. So if you picture uh, a rifle company with three platoons or a platoon uh, with a bunch of Marines and they're all standing in uh, a formation and the officer walks up in front and either the senior enlisted or a junior officer will stand at attention and salute and say, all present or accounted for. And then the senior officer will put everybody at ease and will pass word, give guidance, talk about what's going on, what his priorities are for the day or what she sees as uh, necessary. And then uh, we'll call everybody back to attention and that subordinate leader will stand out in front of the unit and the commanding officer will say, take charge, and carry out the plan of the day. I imagine that uh, subordinate leader reporting to God in the morning as a father and spending that time with God and God saying, this is what's important today. This is what I want you to focus on. And then God says, take charge and carry out the plan of the day. He doesn't say carry out the plan of the year, carry out the plan of the next 10 years. He says, carry out the plan of the day. And I was telling the story, and Pastor Steve said, well, one of the issues is that that subordinate leader is not present or accounted for. And wow, that stopped me in my track. So here's a father who's charged with a family and should be reporting to God in the morning, and God saying to him, take charge and carry out the plan of the day. But he's off. He's off doing something else. And the question is, what's more important? Why is apple-parenting your child. You had to forfeit that responsibility. And sometimes we do so for the right reasons. Maybe we think that providing for our family and working hard and giving them things is important. And other times, maybe we do so for the wrong reasons. And so, Pastor Steve, what do you think about that?
2: I I think we need to be super careful to I agree a thousand percent. And we got to be careful to say if he's not showing up it's he's derelict of his duties or this or that and you kind of alluded to that i mean my my own personal walk and, and struggles of being a dad and i mean there's just days that i don't have the bandwidth sometimes to to be engaged that 100% but but as an overall what we're talking about overall and and what we're talking about as a whole is the absence of of the the intentionality the absence of the commitment, I think, is, is a huge thing that that is so misunderstood. The fact that your children are your children is not an accident, regardless of how they came around. The, you've been entrusted with these lives. Okay? God, God gave them to you. So now, that understanding of, and this drives me to to the point of, you know, I might even put the car in the ditch on the wrong side, but I don't want to look back, and and you know we, my wife and I joke about uh, setting aside a fund for counseling, you know, for our children, you know, because we're gonna we're gonna mess <laughs> some things up, but but I don't want them to ever look back and go, well I'm this way because my dad wasn't there, or I'm this way because my dad wasn't involved. I was this way, be- I'm this way because my dad didn't care. You know, I, I've shared some stories of, of, of my past and growing up, my biological father lived about a mile from me and I'd go a year and a half without seeing him, um, things like that. Uh, there's some things that I had to wrestle with. There was some things that, that still to this day are are issues by me not getting modeled. I, I, I just had a meeting with my oldest son, Eli, the other day and I said, bud, I, I there's You're you're the firstborn, and you're going to be. You were my firstborn, and and I had to figure this out, because I didn't have the example, and I'm not blaming them for that or him, uh, my dad, for that piece of that. But you're going to be the first teenager I have, so I'm liable to mess up some things necessarily or make some wrong calls maybe. And I learn how when I learn how to parent you as a teenager, um, and so forth and so forth. So, with that being said, I think that. Because you can be in the home and be absent,
3: you right. can be in the home
2: and yeah. not be intentional. You can be in the in the recliner watching football. Your kids going, "Hey, dad, you want to go outside play catch? Hey, dad, look what I built with my Legos. Hey, dad, this. Hey, dad, that." And you're yeah, just I've like, I
1: told a lot of stories about how I was just trying to make ends meet, working two jobs at the airlines and in construction when I was home. And I remember Sam, and you know Sam well, mm-hmm. came up to me, tiny little man, and he says, "Daddy, will you play with me?" And I had a job to deliver the next morning, and I couldn't. And I've never forgotten that. And it made me think that sometimes it's about the questions that you ask and the answers. And sometimes it's just about if you're asking this question. If your son is saying, will you play with me? And you're saying no, you need to examine that intersection very carefully and say, what am I doing that's more important than this? I hope I'm curing cancer.
2: I, I can give you a, a, a personal, from mine, uh, just broke my heart one time. And I remember the the prelude to this happening. I was out in the garage doing something, and, and my wife asked Eli, and this was several years ago. He was probably three or four probably at that time. And she said, why don't you go help Daddy? And he says, he doesn't want me out there. And she said, why is that? He's like, every time I ask to help, he tells me no. And this is what he said to Gretchen. And Gretchen told me that later. And just broke my heart. And I look back on, and there was those times where there was probably three or four times leading up to that where I knew if if he helped me, it was going to take way longer. Yeah. And and so I said no. And then so then we got this big, giant swing set, playground slide thing in the back that for the backyard thing came in. I don't know. I kidded Gretchen. I said, you had to get the one with two million pieces, didn't you? Um, but I let him helped turn every screw, every nut after that. And he still talks about that to this day. Mm.
1: Yeah, you know, I regret this one mistake. I, I used to love Meccano when I was a little kid, and I got my stepdaughter Meccano, and I set her up in the basement, which she was scared of because it was a dark basement. And she's got this little table and all the Meccano's there, and she's going to assemble something. And then I went upstairs. Left this tiny little person down there with an instruction book like, okay, have fun storming the castle. And it's like, well, show me how to storm the castle. And so for a father who's hearing this and wants to be more engaged, we've said, okay, first come to Jesus, work on your relationship with Jesus, and that time is never wasted, friends. The time spent reading the Bible is what fills you up, and that's what gives you something to give away. You can't give away what you don't have. And in Psalm 23, when David writes about my cup runneth over, it's because the Lord so fills you up that now you overflow onto those around you. So that's first and foremost. Now we're talking about a father who wants to engage more. What would you say to him?
2: It, it has to be prioritized. It has to be. It has to be the 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 thing that that matters the most at that moment. Um, looking into this um, um, young heart, this young mind. I saw a sign the other day that that they're starting to put all the Father's Day stuff out and everything. It said, "Dad, a boy's first hero and a girl's first love," and I, I mean, it just kind of hit me r- right, right in the heartstrings because that's my goal. I, I, I don't want my kids jokingly, or I say jokingly, but I don't want them sitting in counseling one day saying, "I'm messed up." I want, I want my kids being strong and and they're, they're going, "My dad's my hero."
1: Yeah, so I went about that uh, with a four-hour lecture. I would give my three-year-old son a four-hour lecture and wonder uh, why, you know he wasn't getting it. And so I was wrong in that area. So to engage is first and foremost to be with.
2: So when when we first had our our, our first child, you know, at that time, I mean, I would spend hours studying the word, writing Bible studies, doing different the, the season preluding that was a was a very study and 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 writing heavy laden time in my ministry. And then Eli comes and I mean just turned my world upside down in so many ways. Um, but I didn't have the time and and I the the devil was coming at me and trying to chip little lies in my head and stuff. And I was getting down on myself and I was like, Lord, I'm not spending as much time with you this, that, or whatever. And and he he just very clearly said to me, he goes, because Eli was asking to play Hot Wheels or something on the I forget, but I think it was Hot Wheels. And he said, I. I need you to mold and shape that young man. You going in there and playing Hot Wheels is just as important. Not that I I can't ever read my Bible again, but but investing that time in him, I've I've asked you to do that as well. You've, You've put in time over here. Now put in some time over here.
1: It reminds me of a funny story. My dad was an awesome guy, but there were some things that didn't matter to him. So I was in the Marines, and I was home on leave or something, And I had my uniform carefully laid out on the bed, like Marine Corps uniform. Everything is perfectly measured and stuff. And my dad walked into my room to sit with me and talk to me. Never did that. And it was like so cool. It's like dad's in my room. And he walks over and he sits on top of my uniform (laughs) on the bed. And I'm like, dad, could you not sit on my uniform? And he says, oh, sorry, bud. And he lifts his bottom up a little bit scrunches the whole thing back to like the corner of the bed. And then, you know what? I didn't mind because to have my dad there with me on my terms, just to talk and spend time with me, and here I am in the Marines. So you never get past that. I read that John Eldridge book, Fathered by God.
2: Amazing book.
1: Amazing book. Friends, if you can order that book and read it, and learn that the child's first need is to know that he's the apple of his father's eye. And the next need that he has is in the confidence that he's the apple of his father's eye, he becomes a cowboy. And that's when he just has that uh, confidence. And then the cowboy phase sets him up for the warrior phase when he goes out in the world and makes his mark. And that sets him up to become a king, where he's a mentor to warriors and eventually a sage, when he's got the crown of old age, the gray hair, and he is able to mentor kings. And I'm pretty sure if I had hair, it would be gray. I'm just saying. Friends, stay with us. We're going to talk more in the fourth segment. Friends, it's Richard, the host of Courageous Christianity. In addition to donations, sponsorships also help to keep us on the air and sustain our ongoing efforts. We'd love for you to join us in this mission. If you own a Christian business or an entrepreneur, or it's on your heart to support our efforts, sponsorship opportunities are available. You'll have the chance to have your message heard during each show and much more. If you want to join us in our mission to equip Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield and support us with your sponsorship, contact us at 281-656-1833 or email us at Christianity at gmail.com. Contact us today to apply, as there are some requirements. So give us a call at 281-656-1833 or email us at Christianity at gmail.com. We're grateful for your listenership and for your support. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we are talking about fatherhood. We're talking about the opportunity that fathers have to begin the Reformation in this nation and this world as they step into the authority granted to them by God to take charge of their families and carry out the plan of the day. And we also said that if you're not doing that, then who is doing it? To whom have we forfeited that authority and that opportunity Is it Hollywood or is it celebrities or is it sports people or is it Google or Apple or their kindergarten teacher? Who is leading your family? And Mike said at the last break something very interesting. He said that the one thing Hollywood got right was the Andy Griffith Show. And there's a father who's engaged. He's talking to his boy. They're walking along with their fishing poles over And Andy Griffith is not going to abscond that responsibility. He's going to train up his child in the way of the Lord, knowing he will not depart from it. And at one point, a hobo says to Andy, why don't you let the kid do what the kid wants to do? And keep in mind, he was a hobo, so maybe he hadn't uh, managed life very well. Uh, I don't know what his circumstances are. Keep in mind, it's a TV show, so nobody get upset with me. The point is, Andy Griffith said, no, you can't trust a child to raise themselves. They'll go after the first shiny object with ribbons on it, and only too late will they find out that it has a hook in it. And I think what we're finding out with society is that a lot of these shining objects have hooks in it, and our children are stuck, and it's for us to protect them. So, Pastor Steve, as we work our way toward the end of the show with these thoughts— what are what are your final thoughts
2: i i think so if i'm going to tell that father that's out there listening and and please know that this is one of my biggest battles is, is how do i do this not only fatherhood right but how do i do this christian fatherhood right how do i how do i point my they're supposed to the whole world, everybody I encounter, but especially my family and especially my children, are supposed to have some idea of what Jesus is like because they saw it in me i'm supposed they're supposed to get a glimpse of Christ because they saw something of him in me if I'm doing things right and I'm striving and and i'm, I'm if I'm doing anything right, they should start to see some of Jesus' attributes in me so and that that's a big job it's a tough job. Uh, just parenting alone is a tough job trying to be engaged, trying to be there for the, the, the sacrifice we, I, I tell people when I'm counseling is I had no idea how selfish I was until I got married. I know I, I had no idea how selfish I still was until I had kids. And, and so that, that, that sacrifice that, that I'm going to put their needs first. I'm going to, I'm going to tell them, uh, we have a conversation all the time, kids, we're going to, there's going to be a lot of things that are different than the world. There's going to be a lot of things that we do different, even maybe than some of your church friends, you know, because we always get that, well, so-and-so gets to do this, or so-and-so gets to play that video game, or so-and-so gets to watch that TV show. And then we take that opportunity to explain to them, there's some things that are inappropriate in that deal. Uh, There's some things that, that... you know we don't believe in magic the bible doesn't say magic is real there's there's the, all of these things and and that can be exhausting it can be exhausting yeah, sure. it really can um and that's that guy at the end of the day with no bandwidth to go outside and play catch with with junior um but get out of the chair and go play catch there there is nothing more valuable than that time do not allow electronics at the table, uh, dinner table. Have an engaging conversation. Get to know them. Walk out. Uh, I mean, we don't have time, but I, I we can go on and on. You, It's not about the thing. It's not about the dollar spent. One of my kids' favorite things to do is to go to Sonic and get an ice cream and just sit in the car and eat the ice cream and talk. Um, absolutely love it.
1: We had a guest on the show. Oh, no. Uh, it, it was at work. I asked one of the ladies uh, in the office where I work uh, how her kid was, and he's in high school now, and she said that when she picks him up from school, he likes to drive around, and as long as she's driving around, he keeps talking to her. And I said, yeah, it's because guys don't like to look at each other and talk. They like to be doing something. How long do you drive around for? And she says, as long as he keeps talking.
3: Mm, That's great.
1: And I thought that that was fantastic. The truth is, folks, just be engaged. Be there. Ask questions. Christie says, "Come to these things with a lot of curiosity. And I have this wonderful uncle, and a phone call with him that might last an hour just involves him asking me questions, whether it's about flying or uh, the Marines or anything else. The truth is to just be engaged, and that brings us to our moment of truth. In every show you know we have a moment of truth. To remind ourselves that God's Word is our first refuge. It's the place we should go first, and it's always relevant. It's not some old dusty book. It never fails, and if you do what it says, you will not be put to shame. And today, our moment of truth is the same scripture that we spoke of in the intro. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, when God says of Abraham, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Friends, fathers, God has chosen you. Knowing all of your flaws, knowing where you've been, knowing what you do, knowing who you are, he has chosen you and given you these tiny people. And it's an incredibly hard job, and I don't think I've always done a very good job of it. And all we can do is our best. But if we bring it first to him, he will shape it. In all that we see around us, which speaks to the failure of fathers and families, we can't allow ourselves to be distracted by political maneuverings and the manipulation of special interests and corporations. Those people won't show up when our families are failing unless it's for a soundbite or for some money. And it's true The people contributing to the failing of families often make money from the failure of men leading their families. Think about the privatization of prisons. It's for profit. Think about the drug industry, which makes money from the very real struggles of our children with everything from anxiety to obesity. I'm not trusting them. Think about the politician who makes money from the corporate usurpation of American government. These people are not going to tell me how to raise my children. When my failing makes them money. Real families are shattered and being shattered. My family was shattered. I'm divorced. I wasn't always the best father. I could be. None of this is offered to you with condescension or judgment. I speak with first-hand experience. Real people are struggling, and the cause is what we as fathers allow. It's not about gun control. It's not a racial issue. It's not about politics. It's about men submitting to the love and guidance of God as described in the Bible and lived out in God's person. If you want to know what a father looks like, read the Bible. Jesus Christ showed us his father. It's about men doing their best as fathers to emulate him. We may want it to be somebody else's fault, but it's not. It's up to us each day as we wake up and make choices about who we will be and what we will value. God says that a man should lead and direct their household. He provided helpers for this very purpose. And the importance of these helpers is emphasized by the word used to describe them, a Hebrew word also used to describe the Holy Spirit. Wives are helpers referred to as the same as the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. And wives, how can we complain about fatherlessness while failing to respect fathers? The world might say that's cool. Progressives might say that that's cool. Male bashing might be a thing, but we are counting on fathers to lead families to bring us into reformation under God. So the Bible does not say, uh, Wives, do this, do that, do the next thing the Bible says. Wives, respect your husbands. Help them to be successful. Friends, it's not a competition. It's a team effort, and teams have captains for a reason. Someone must cast the vision of victory and then lead the team toward it. And teammates who care about the team don't devote themselves to pointing out how the captain fails or falls short. Family is the team, and fathers are the captains. The Bible says so. In military terms, the most important principle of war is unity of command. Unity of command says that there is one general on the battlefield. He may have a staff, but he is in command and he is responsible for victory or defeat. More battles have been lost for want of unity of command than any other reason. Men, fathers, you are that command beneath Christ, beneath God. God has said so. Commit yourselves to him. Seek him each day. Ask him for help. As he shows you the areas of yourself which must change, commit to that change. We've tried it our way. We've tried it by ourselves. It's not working. Learn his way and submit to his way. Next, let's lead our families in his way. And notice I said lead. First and foremost to lead is to set an example to emulate. Unless you want your children to be glued to their cell phones, put your cell phone down. If you want your children to be fit and healthy, get in shape yourself. Let them see you. If you want your children to know the love of God, show them by who you are and what you value. If you are being honest, you will fall short, and that's okay because you'll try again. Take charge of your family and carry out the plan of the day. And that brings us to our quote of the day, which is most often attributed to Thomas Paine, but sometimes to General Patton. And he said, Lead follow, or get out of the way. As fathers, we are not followers, and getting out of the way is not an option. We must lead, not tomorrow or next month or after the next election or the new year. It begins right this second, and that's courageous Christianity. Pastor Steve, thanks so much for being with us.
2: Thanks again. I've enjoyed it.
1: Friends, thanks for joining Christy and me today. We hope you'll join us for the rest of the series on fatherhood and and each and every week here on 100.7 FM, KKHT, the word, at KKHT.com, or on CourageousChristianity.today, or your favorite podcast app, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and semper fi.
0: confusion and mayhem. Whatever happened to the picture I created in my head? Days and nights they go Passing by